continue a series that we are doing going this Advent through the, the different candles that we are lighting here that we commemorate on our Advent wreath. Last week we talked about hope and what it means to have room in our heart for hope. And today then we keep going through that, this time considering what it means for us to have a heart of love and what it means to make room in our hearts for love. So I'm going to read a few words today that come from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke 2. This actually takes place after Jesus is born, but not long. Jesus is still an infant, and just to give you the setup to what goes on in this verse, in this passage, Mary and Joseph do what the Hebrew law requires when a child is born and take that child to the temple to offer certain sacrifices to God for that child. So it's part of what the Hebrew law required, and that's what's taking place in this passage that we read from Luke 2. I'm going to pick it up today at verse 25. So Mary and Joseph come with Jesus to the temple to do what the law requires of them. And here's where it picks up then. Luke 2, starting at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do, to do for him what the custom of the law requires, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. That's as far as we'll read today. Noting the ways, then, that we make room in our hearts for love in this story of Simeon. In the 1862 novel Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, he tells the story of the main character, Jean Valjean, who is arrested as a boy at a young age for stealing food to feed his starving family. So it follows this story through what at that time was French law, rather rigid and harsh by a social elite that enforced it, so that many in France lived under poverty and had to resort to any means they could find in order to survive. Valjean then receives that punishment for stealing some bread just to feed starving family members. And he serves out his prison sentence in a forced labor prison camp where he grows to become a young adult. And then finally, a little later in life, he's let loose on parole after serving his sentence. But he only gets out of his prison then to find that since he is marked as a criminal in his past, that no one will take him in. That there is still no second chance for him in the world 
in which he lives. He lives in that rigid world of only facing those who judge him. But against all that, Valjean finds that there's this one instance where he receives kindness. When no one else will take him in, when no one else will do anything for him, a church bishop takes him in, allows him to eat a meal there, gives him a place to stay for the night. Kindness that Valjean had never experienced before. But in his desperation to escape, Valjean ends up stealing from the bishop, taking some valuables and trying to sneak out, but he's caught. And when he's caught and he thinks for sure, now the bishop's just going to send me back to prison with, the, he's going to call the police and the law will come and, and then he'll be right back where he started. Instead, the bishop forgives him for what he's done. The bishop lets him keep what he has stolen. And in fact, the bishop gives him even more silver as a gift to take with him. It's this event then, this extreme generosity that Valjean has never known that changes his life. Where he sees now an example where he can give that kind of love, that kind of grace, that kind of second chance to other people the way that it was given to him. You see, the novel Les Miserables by Victor Hugo, Victor Hugo is, is really a story about grace, about the way that God's grace comes into the life of someone who so desperately needed it, but then becomes a reflection that flows from that life for others to see and experience and know as well. As that story goes forward then, Valjean has opportunity after opportunity to express that kind of gentleness, love, mercy, forgiveness for others who are in need as well. Even as he runs from the law as someone who violates his own parole. Maybe there's something of that that we can see in the story of Simeon today. Something that shows us what that kind of heart looks like. Now, the story here is different than what we would see in a story like Les Miserables. Because in Les Miserables, Jean Valjean had to see and know and experience the love of God in order for his life to be turned around. But what we see here with Simeon, we see someone who's still waiting for that, who hasn't seen that yet. But even though he hasn't seen it yet, even though Simeon has not experienced yet that revelation of God's salvation, he's still waiting. He still holds on to that promise for what that looks like. How does that work? What does that look like? Because I have to admit that, that I would have a hard time knowing how to live that way as he's waiting for the consolation of Israel and what that looks like. Consolation, that, that comes from a Greek word, periklesis, and, and it means comfort or encouragement, like we would think of consoling, but, but it shows up elsewhere in the New Testament Bible as well, sometimes also meaning a strong request or an appeal or even urgently pleading where we see show up elsewhere in the New Testament. For example, in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul uses that word to talk about urgently pleading with those to follow the teaching that he'd given them. So it's more than just sympathy. 
It's more than just thoughts and prayers when some repeated tragedy occurs, but it's an urgent plea to say, do something so that this repeated tragedy will not keep repeating, so that something can be done. That's what Simeon is waiting for. He's waiting for God to show up, to do something. He's waiting for the salvation of the Lord with his promised Messiah to come. I can't imagine what that's like, waiting that long. You know, you and I, we've been living in a, in a world, in a society right now where, where we've been living in pandemic for about 10 months. And it seems like we're going nuts because I have to get takeout instead of dine-in. Simeon was waiting for decades, decades under foreign military occupation of the Roman Empire. He's waiting for God to show up and keep that promise. He's expecting to see that. But what is it that he's expecting to see, I wonder? What exactly is Simeon expecting to see? How is God going to show up in a way that meets that expectation? Because I have to admit that, that if I were waiting for something like that, that I was waiting for God to show up in a way that meets that expectation that I would have been looking for someone like so many of the others in Israel, someone like like David, like the king, who would come as a mighty warrior to save his people. I would be waiting for a massive army to show up. That's what I would be waiting for. That's where my expectations would be. But Simeon, Simeon through the Holy Spirit, sees this infant child. And he knows this is it. This is what I've been waiting to see. How does that work? I mean, how does Simeon have room in his heart to to know and to see that when it's just a child, a baby? Simeon, after all, would not live long enough to see where this would go. Simeon would not be around to see any of the miracles that Jesus performs. Simeon would not be there to hear any of the parables that Jesus would teach. And yet somehow his expectation of God bringing salvation into the world is fulfilled just by seeing this infant child. How does that work? It's like if I, if I wanted a garden salad like a delicious garden salad. And all I got was a packet of seeds, seeds for lettuce, seeds for tomatoes, seeds for cucumbers. That would not meet my expectations for what I wanted because, you know what, I know everything is there that someday is going to be a garden salad, but not right here, not right now. You'd have to plant those seeds, have to grow that garden, have to harvest that. Yet somehow, Simeon, that's where he is. He doesn't see where it's going to go. He doesn't see exactly how God will fulfill that promise. But yet, he receives that anyway as a promise fulfilled by God. No matter how it is received into his life, no matter what other expectations may be in place, Simeon is allowed, has a place where he's able to get all of that out of the way so that he can receive into his heart, into his life, 
the promise of God's salvation who's come. How does he do that? He receives the Messiah without any expectations of his own. He receives the Messiah without any conditions that he would place upon that, that would get in the way of what that salvation should be, should look like, how it should be received to him. How does he do that? Or maybe more importantly, the question can become, how do we do that? How do you and I cultivate in our heart a heart like Simeon? A heart that makes room to see God's salvation and what that looks like. Simeon is able to see God's salvation come because Simeon is able to see something of God's love. Maybe that's where it begins. Maybe that's what we see in the story today. Simeon is able to see the love of God because he has made room in his heart to see love when nobody else had. If you can imagine that in that world, in that time in which they live, Simeon sees this child and he knows right away this is God's promised salvation for the world. And he celebrates that even though nobody else around him sees it. Still he does. How do we do that? How do we live in a world like that? In a world in which we may be waiting to see the consolation that God brings. Urgently pleading, God, show up into our world. God, do something for our world. But yet to be able to do that in a way like Simeon where where I don't attach all of these expectations and conditions on top of that. Where my expectation for how God is supposed to show up and bring his consolation is one in which I say, God, I want you to do these things for me. I want you to make the world a place that meets for my advantage, for my desires, for my liking, for my well-being. But rather like Simeon then, to say, you know what? Even if, even if I myself don't see how this promise is fulfilled in the life that I live, that I can still see and celebrate God showing up with his salvation, apart from whatever expectations or conditions I may place upon that. To see that and celebrate that, like Simeon does, takes room in my heart for love. To see that, for that to happen. So how does Simeon do that? How does he make room in his heart for love? And, and then more importantly, how do we do that? Right? How, how do we live in a world where we can see God show up with his salvation like that as we go through this another advent season as we look forward to christmas how do we make room to see the way that god's salvation has already arrived in our world and is right in front of us even if even when it seems no one else around us sees it knows it recognizes it. What does that look like? 
Well, Simeon understands something of what it means to see the love of God because he's experienced and received that. And there's something to that, that when we know and experience the love of God, that then we have room in our heart for that. Consider the way then that God in his gift of Christmas is actually a gift of love. That the Messiah that came is actually a gift of love. Perhaps the most popular and well-known verse in the entire Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That the salvation that God brought at Christmas into the world is a gift of love. And when we recognize that first, then we make room in our heart for the love of God. Jesus then also passes along that gift. And we read about that in John. He says this to his disciples, and this this takes place at the Last Supper, right on the very night when he is going to be betrayed and handed over and arrested. He says to his disciples, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know. Everyone will know that you are my disciples. So God comes and he gives that command. Love others. And when you love others, others will know the love that God has. For his world. John summarizes this later. He says, in his letters to the churches, he says this And so we know and rely on the love God has for us, that God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, We are like Jesus. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. When we make room for God's love to share through us in ways that love others, we see that love of God. We make room in our hearts for God's love when we make room for that love to be shared for others. In Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables, Jean Valjean knows and receives and experiences this love and and then lives his life sharing that in however he can with those around him who need it the most. And as he grows old then and has all of these experiences, in in the very end of his life, he writes down in a letter to his daughter Cosette all the things that he's learned and experienced through this love that has been shown to him and that he's been able to share to others. And the very last thing that he writes in, in the Broadway production 
the musical production of Les Miserables, the very last thing that Jean Valjean says in this letter that he writes to his daughter is this. Remember the truth that once was spoken. To love another person is to see the face of God. I wonder if Hugo, when when he um, wrote this novel, if, if he got that idea from words of Jesus. Words of Jesus, like when Jesus taught in his parables, whatever it is that you do for the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you do to me. That when we love others, that we see the salvation of God before us. We see his Messiah in our world. So it begins today, it begins with receiving that love first. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what Advent looks forward to, that we receive the gift of God's love into our hearts. And when we make room to receive that gift of God's love in our hearts, then we live as people who then share that gift of love with others around us. And when we do that, the world sees the salvation of God in the gift he's given to us that we share with others. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your love to this world. Thank you for the ways that you have shown that love to us. And Lord, we, we acknowledge that sometimes we have lived in ways that have failed to embrace that love, that have failed to act according to your word. And so, Lord, we pray today that, uh, that you would forgive us, that you would soften our hearts, open our hearts to receive that gift of love that you have given to us. And Lord, as we make room in our hearts for your love, for your gift to come upon us, may you use that in our lives to share that love with others. We thank you for that. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.